Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today we have our usual Wednesday programming of what was going on in the culture, in the world, on TV at the time that this particular episode aired. So we're now into uh, early May 1990. These episodes are usually shorter than the others to begin with. This one's really short. It should probably be attached to another episode instead, but I'm going to keep it as an independent, in this case, five or six minute episode, simply for the sake of consistency. As the series goes along, as I've mentioned, when I get into the season two episodes, which I've already recorded, I get deeper and deeper into context. I think there's episodes that'll be like over 20 minutes long, just talking about what was going on at the time, sometimes relating to Twin Peaks, sometimes not. So for the sake of consistency, I'm keeping this an independent episode, even though it's really a small little uh, bite-sized morsel. This episode aired at nine o'clock p.m. on Thursday, May 3rd, 1990. For the first time since the pilot, Twin Peaks received a very, very slight bump in the ratings, and it was a relief since the pattern had been constant decline for four episodes straight. With 17.4 million viewers, a 19% share, and an 11.9 rating, ABC remained a distant second to NBC's Cheers Wings duo, but it handily beat a new episode of the once indomitable, now ill-fated Falcon Crest on CBS. And this was on a night when Falcon Crest had a real ace up its sleeve, the return of series star Jane Wyman after an illness took her off the show for most of the season. She plays the matriarch of the family who recovers from a coma, of course, it's a primetime soap, and plots to block a marriage and claim legal ownership of the winery that her family owns. Uh, Wyman, of course, was the ex-wife of Ronald Reagan, who had left the U.S. presidency a year earlier. Both had met, married, and divorced as movie stars in Golden Age Hollywood, so when Falcon Crest ended two weeks later and Wyman almost permanently retired, she came back for one guest spot on Dr. Quinn years later, uh, this was really the end of an era, not just for one of the most popular soaps of the 80s, but in a way for a whole generation of actors. Cheers concluded its two-parter on this night uh, from the week before, following up Cry Hard with, you guessed it, Cry Harder. Building on the comical, romantic, and business intrigue of the first half, the love triangle of Sam, Rebecca, and Robin gets even more tangled as the wealthy Robin flees the country and bids farewell to Rebecca after Sam gets him indicted for insider trading. Rebecca loses her job, has to go to work for Sam as a waitress, and after a confrontation in the back room of the bar, of course, they end up having sex. At which point, Robin, the rich guy that she thought was jilting her, walks back in. He flew back to take her with him. So that was a nice twist for, I believe, the end of that season. This night, Wings also aired a Boston Love Triangle two-parter, in this case, part one of Return to Nantucket, in which Brian goes to the city to win back his ex-wife, whom his brother stole away. Leading into Twin Peaks this night, ABC aired a repeat of Father Dowling Mysteries and a new primetime live, neither of whose contents I can identify. I got lucky a couple episodes back when I stumbled across the fact that that primetime interviewed Marla Maples. It was like a big news story, but for the most part, each episode's contents are difficult to dig up. Meanwhile, in the movies, a month into its theatrical run, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles finally relinquished the number one spot at the box office. Not to a new release, but to an even older title. Pretty Woman, which had opened at number one the week before Ninja Turtles, now reclaimed the top spot in its sixth week with just seven million. So starved was the early 90s spring season for blockbusters that a couple films could just trade that top status back and forth between each other for months. As far as news goes, May 3rd, 1990 is one of the more sparse news days I've come across so far. We don't even have a boy band member injuring himself with a stuffed animal this time. However, if the headline section on my reference site was empty, in the obituary notices I discovered that the head of the Russian Orthodox Church passed away on this date. He was elected Patriarch of Moscow in all Rus in 1970, 
but his selection could not be official until the following year because 1970 was also the centenary of Vladimir Lenin's birth, and the Soviets did not want to detract from recognizing the 100th birthday of their founder with like a religious uh, ascension. So born in 1910, Patriarch Pimen I's life spanned almost the entirety of the USSR. The Russian Revolution occurred when he was seven, he became a monk at 15, and he remained in monasteries and cathedrals through the entire Stalin era. And then he finally rose in the ranks during middle age. So he headed the church for 20 years, including the celebration of the 1,000th anniversary of the Christianization of Russia, or Rus, I guess as it was known, in 1988. And according to Wikipedia, this was recognized at the time as the end of persecution of Orthodox Christianity in the Soviet Union. So now he died, 79 years old, before the USSR itself would be dissolved. Time magazine featured a striking cover this week. A Vietnamese or Cambodian woman standing in a field with a stark headline, Vietnam, 15 years later. On one side of her, the caption, in America, the pain endures. On the other side, the caption, in Cambodia, the killing continues. A decade and a half later, many in the U.S. were still haunted by the grueling guerrilla warfare and consequent civil unrest that marked the 60s and 70s and hastened a humiliating defeat of their Cold War aims. But right about now, the collapse of the Soviet sphere of influence and the quick military victory of the Gulf War, which would come the following spring, would help exorcise some of these ghosts only for the U.S. government to repeat the same mistake on even flimsier pretexts and with perhaps even more horrific global consequences a dozen years later. That's it for this episode. Tomorrow we will continue with the In the Weeds trivia, the character rankings, the Coffee Pine Donuts featured, the locations featured in this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and you can become a patron on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. I, I give you a dollar, and, and this bar is mine? That's right, Mr. Malone. No catch. I can't believe this. This bar is mine. All I have to do is give you a dollar. Oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> Hey, give me a dollar, huh? I'm tapped out, Sam. Anybody, please. Woody, give me a dollar, man. Uh, you already owe me a dollar, Sam. <laughs> Sam, I got a quarter. Oh, hey, hey, Sam, here, here's a dime. Yeah, here, here's four bits. Great, good. I, uh, okay, I, I got, uh, 85 cents here. I'll take it. <laughs> hey, guys, I lowballed him. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Everybody knows your name